Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 283 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing? Super Bowl Sunday, folks. Who you got? I know Searson wants me to say it, but uh, you know what? I hate saying it, but I, I, I don't know. I think the Eagles are going to fly today. That's my pick, I think. We'll see. Who knows, right? If you knew, well, you wouldn't have to work. So, uh, Well, this is uh, kind of deja vu all over again, doing this episode. Um, I actually recorded last night. I recorded this episode last night and uh, ended up hitting pause uh, and phoned my parents at about 10 o'clock. I was recording late last night. So I phoned them. They're in Las Vegas right now. So I phoned them, talked to them, and uh, came back down. And I was opening up Sky and Screens open and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there doing, oh, here we go. This will be a great episode. I do 40 more minutes. And uh, then I look and realized I didn't record any of the second part of my podcast. Uh, so I was going to say, well... No Sunday episode, because I really don't want to do this again. But, wife went out, when she went to school, I'm just sort of sitting here. Like I said, I put in my Super Bowl bets, and uh, it is uh, two, 2 o'clock, and I'm like, well, I got nothing going on. So I was like, ah, fine. So, here I am. We'll try this again. Alright. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, can't believe I did that. I've done 283 episodes, and I've never, like... Not hit record. Uh, I don't know. Head up in the cloud. I'm already dreaming of it. As Kramer would say, in my mind, I'm already gone. Yes, I am dreaming of vacation as I leave for Las Vegas. This time, next Sunday. Next Sunday, I will be... Oh, I can't wait. In the neon jungle of Las Vegas. We go every February. I am more than excited about this. And, uh... But... 
for those. Darren, what about the podcast? Like a good teammate, I will not leave you guys hanging. I got your back. Um, I have a few episodes in the can. So, well, I lie. I have one episode already recorded. Hopefully, I will have. Well, I will have two done before I leave. Um, I'm hoping to have an interview tomorrow, uh, scheduled either tomorrow or Tuesday, and that will become Wednesday's episode. And then, of course, Sunday when I leave, I am going to actually do. I'm going to record this week. I'm going to record the Mount Rushmore episode where I had I had everybody. I I, I uh, want to thank everybody who took the time to fill out um, their Mount Rushmores for each NHL team and send it in. And I'm just going to actually maybe I can do that tonight um, as the game is going on. I will sit and kind of compile the votes and see who see what what the happenings are. Actually, got a pretty good response. Um, I haven't counted everything up because they're sort of all over the place. Um, because I have some in direct messages, I have some in email. So I want to say close to fifty. I think. Um, seems like it anyway. Um, I haven't gone through them. I mean, I just sort of counted, like you know, read the uh, uh, the the title of the email and stuff. I didn't go through anybody's lists or anything, not really. But uh, I want to thank those who uh, took part in it. And uh, yeah, so that I'm going to record that later this week, and um, that will be Sunday's episode when I leave. And then the following Wednesday, when I'm in Las Vegas, I have. I had Chris on the show a, while, a couple weeks ago, and he and I recorded old uh, Y2J for the old message board folks, and um, he grew up in Buffalo, he was a big Buffalo guy, and uh, was there during the famous and one of the most storied fight rival rivalries in NHL history, Ty Domi versus Rob Ray, uh, he witnessed them live, many of the fights, and uh, he actually did a good job of recording it. Um, he actually has a DVD that he sent me. It's basically Rob Ray versus Ty Domi. Like the whole, it's like a two hour DVD. And it's got like every fight, like the Toronto feed and the Buffalo feed. And then the news highlights. And then maybe an interview about it. And uh, it's like really comprehensive. And, it, and it's really cool. And um, yeah, and we basically broke down the rivalry. They fought 14 times. 13 of them are, which are of them are on video. Um, Chris did see the 14th. It was a preseason game in Buffalo. He was there. Um, and he just has some little tidbits for the rivalry that people might not know about living in Buffalo and, um, and, and meeting Rob Ray and Ty Domi numerous times. Um, and Chris has been on my show before. If you want to go back, um, I off the top of my head, I can't remember what episode it is, but I had him on and we basically just talked about his fandom and, um, and he used to bounce at a bar in Buffalo and he has a very interesting Matt Barnaby versus Santa Claus story. You should go listen to that episode. It's a great episode. And like I said, the people from the old fried chicken message board days will remember Chris, um, was a great poster back then. And him and I, he and I traded a lot of VHS tapes. That's what we're going to date ourselves right there. How old we are. But, uh, Chris was a good dude and I always enjoy having him on. And like I said, he's a real, you know, fight historian guy and, uh, it was it was a fun fun little topic. So that will be next uh, Wednesday's episode, and then the next next Sunday, I'm not quite sure. I will probably I hate to break it to everybody. I I will probably skip a couple shows. Um, maybe we'll see. Um, I I don't know how much recording I have in me in the next six days. We'll put it that way. Um, but uh, yeah. Nonetheless, I'll have something for you guys. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe next Sunday I will skip 
And then next Wednesday could be the Mount Rushmore episode. And then the following Wednesday could be Chris's episode. I might actually do that. Just kind of skip the Sundays, but do the Wednesdays. Hmm, that might be a plan. We'll see. We'll see how much uh, I can get ahead here. Um, anyway, there'll be some footage or some footage. There'll be some podcasting going on anyway, uh, coming to your, your platforms while I'm in Las Vegas. It's the magic of scheduling. Um, but anyway, blah, 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 blah. I'm just word salad here. Um, I'm just excited for my, by, uh, my vacation. Uh, I'll put it that way. Um, yeah, guys. Other than that, oh, and I hope uh, I hope everybody went back and uh, or uh, check listened to my my last episode when I had Shane Belter on the show, former WHLer, uh, and then went on and played a couple years pro in Providence and in the East Coast Hockey League. Um, played the Memorial Cup with Lethbridge. Um, he was a great guest. Showed some good stories. Um, he also has a podcast he co-hosts. Um, it's called the Monday Nooner, and uh, they're here in Saskatchewan. And uh, they've had great, they've had tough guys on, man. Tony Twist and Kimball and Grimson and all those guys. They've had great guests um, <coughs> as well as as well as others. But one of the things they do that, that is really cool um, is they actually cover the Saskatchewan ho- senior hockey scene. And, um, and I mentioned this on the interview with Shane, we were talking. And I think some people uh, kind of mistaken, oh, like rec hockey, you mean like nine o'clock drop-in hockey and stuff. Oh no, that's not what we're talking about. Um, senior hockey is a al- in, in most provinces, but it's alive and well here in Saskatchewan. I don't even know how many. I'm far from a senior hockey expert. I don't even know how many leagues there are. At least five, six, seven. I don't know. Um, spread out throughout the province, and uh, and like Shane says, a lot of solid players, like guys just finishing junior or they finish pro and they've come home and they're working, but they still want to play that competitive hockey and not rec hockey. Cause senior hockey's full on. There's hitting and there's fighting and the boys are going and uh, you know, and it's small town versus small town and shit gets heated and, uh, and it's real solid hockey. Um, a lot of solid players. So um, yeah, it's no, it's no joke. And um, you know, and, uh, and they're, and the boys are going, like I said, everybody's got to get up and work in the morning, but uh you know, uh, it's 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 the battle, man. Everybody wants to win. So senior hockey is ultra competitive here in Saskatchewan, and uh, and their show covers it. Right now, the senior hockey is in the playoffs, and uh, and yeah, they're covering it, and they're talking about all the small towns, and uh, yeah, and, and it's a, and it's really cool, and it's and it's a real cool kind of like a local vibe, like the whole Saskatchewan thing, right? So, um, yeah, so. Great podcast, good dudes. I appreciate them for promoting uh, Shane, my episode with Shane. And, uh, <coughs> pardon me. And uh, we certainly won't be the last, hopefully not the last time that Shane is on the show. But, um, yeah. Well, folks, how about we get into this? Um, well, I briefly touched on it in uh, in my intro to the episode with Shane. Um when I when I talked about Alec uh, retiring, he hung up the he hung up the he hung up the uh, headphones and uh, shut off the microphone. Uh, Five for Fighting podcast is no more. Um, I will talk about. Well, I'll talk about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. Uh, as I was guessing, I got to start off the show. Of course, uh, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network, including Terry Ryan's show, and um, and all the NHL teams have shows. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a podcast for you. Um, and I always say for my off-network friends, and uh, yeah, um, Joel, Joel Lazito at the 
Nordique's Knuckles podcast. It is a, obviously, as it sounds, a Quebec Nordique specific show. And he used to have the Coliseum Chronicles podcast, which was an Islander show, and um, did a great job with that. And uh, has moved on to the Nordiques. And uh, this week's guest is Brent Severn. And uh, yeah, and I was a big fan of Severn actually. He, uh, you know, one of those I think underappreciated guys. Played for a long time. Big dude. Um, yeah, I remember, you know, had a, had a nice little run in Colorado, um, the Islanders, Florida, you know, yeah, just, just a tough guy. And, uh, yeah, so he's on there and he, he shares, shares, uh, his career with Joe and Joe, you know, we'll get to the bottom of it. I've not listened to the episode yet. I have it downloaded. I will be listening to in the truck tomorrow. And, um, yeah, but, uh, the Nordiques Knuckles podcast, Joe and Joe Lazito, check it out. And also, Another fellow hockey podcast network show. He just started up. He was on my show a couple, about a month ago. Jordan out in the Maritimes, out in Cape Breton, and he started the Five in a Game podcast. I don't know. He liked being on the show so much. He started his own, or he figured this show's so shitty, I'm going to start my own. Do it right. That's probably more like it. But uh, no, Jordan does a great job. He started up. He's uh, he actually covers the uh, late '90s, kind of early 2000s, the Quebec Major Junior League, and I mean, so many tough guys come out of there. Um, and he's had some great guests on great interviews, Eric Lizon, Ryan Hand. Um, and he does, and he does different episodes like this, this week's is like, uh, best goalie fights from the league. Like I said, just, uh, just starting out, he's really passionate about it. The passion hasn't been beaten out of him yet. He's still passionate about it. Um, I know he's actually, we were, him and I were talking, he actually set up a, an LNAH, uh, voting tournament is starting up here on the, in the Enforcer Appreciation Group. So finally, I get to vote on one of these. I don't, I don't have to put up brackets or anything. I get to vote in these. So I, I'm gonna start bitching out about who isn't in the tournament and this is bullshit and these results suck and who's doing this. Oh, I can't wait to type all that. But uh, Jordan does a great job, and uh, definitely give out check out his show as well as his YouTube channel. Speaking of YouTube, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube, I have over two thousand fight videos on my channel. Uh, check it out. Hit the subscribe button if you watch a fight and you like it. Hit the thumbs up. Uh, YouTube loves that shit, folks. And uh, as a cre- that's just, I always say on this show, that's the one thing you can do to help us out as creators is subscribe to it. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, rate and review the show, um, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, it, it helps us out in the searches and the analytics. Like I said, you're holding your phone. You're, it's got it in your hand anyway. It doesn't cost anything. It'll take five seconds and you're doing like not just my show, but any show that you listen to, whatever podcast you're listening to. If you have a YouTube show that you enjoy watching, all of that stuff, just hit the subscribe, hit the like button and the creator will definitely appreciate it. So that is my little... PSA, if you if you will, but um, if you will, that's my Dusty Roads. It's not a very good Dusty Roads, but um, now what? Oh well, uh, yeah, I'll talk about Mud Show here. Um, like I said, I I talked about it last episode briefly, but um, yeah, Alec has uh, re- has retired from the from the podcasting game. I mean, it was no surprise to me. He and I had talked about it before. So, um, but man, he did a great job. Did uh, what eighty five episodes or something? Had some great interviews. By Lois, Rob Ray, Segroy, Jason Rushton, Sean Pete, um, on and on. Um, he, he had, uh, in recent, recently he had kind of cornered the kind of the East Coast League, uh, uh, market and, uh, his, he had a YouTube channel with a, I don't know, basically all of last year's East Coast League fights that, of course, the East Coast League got mad about and shut the channel down. And I think when they did that, that, well, I don't think, I know, that really killed Alex's passion for it. 
And, um, yeah, and he, I know he kind of, he commenced to kind of having a little war, an online war with the East Coast League. And that, yeah, I mean, I don't blame him at the same time. That's a war you're not going to win. And, um, yeah, and it was, and it was just unfortunate. And like I said, and then with work, he's got a two hour there, two hour back. And, you know, you're on the road driving for four hours. The last thing you want to do is get home, do an interview and, or, you know, yell into a microphone for an hour. So, um, yeah, it was just getting too much and that was it. So, but like I said, it's not going to be the last time you hear of Alec. I mean, I, I think some people wish it was, but it won't be. As uh, I told him, I gave him the open invitation. I said, anytime, um, you want, you have something that you want to say or something you want to yell and rant and rave about. Phone me, man. I'll hit, I'll be home. I'll hit record and away you go. I'll give you the platform. So, uh, but I'm going to have him on for other stuff anyway. I've had Alec on this show a bunch of times. And so, no, I'll get him on here and there. And, uh, I, I know I've been asked a couple times. Jordan was asked me about it too. But the, uh, I keep talking about the minor league mayhem tournament. You know, I've done it for six years. My voting tournament where it's 64 of the minor league's toughest guys. Um, and we have a big, we have a big tournament and we vote on it and all that. Well, before we do all that, before I release the tournament, I do a preview show and I will get, and Alec has been on that for the last couple of years and Jay, uh, I will get him and Jay on the show again and we will do our bracket preview and all that stuff. And I will be, uh, I will be doing that when I get home from Las Vegas. Cause I love, I love those tournaments as much as the, some of the people irritate me with their stupid comments. Um, it's social media. You're never going to get rid of, you're never going to escape stupid comments. So. That will be coming up when I get home from Las Vegas, and I will definitely have those jokers on the show. So, but Alec did a tremendous job. Um, for selfish reasons, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss his show. It, you know, it got me through some some work days when I put it on in the truck, and uh, yeah, he did a good job. And like I said, uh, you know, I feel for him. I understand why he did it and, and uh, hung him up. I mean, I've been I've been there too, and I talked about it a few episodes ago that you know. As far as the future of this show goes, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm not, oh, you know, if you tell me to stay, I'll stay. It's nothing like that. But it's just like, you know, sometimes the passion gets really kicked out of you sometimes. So, and you start kind of like, what am I doing this for? You know, hobbies should be fun. They shouldn't be a grind. And, uh, you know, so I completely understand where Alec is coming from. And, uh, but, uh, yeah. Thanks, man. It was a great run. And, uh, like I said, I, and I told him, I said, well, I'll be proud of what you did, man. You put out 85 episodes and, and a lot of good interviews and they're out on the internet now for, for people to listen to forever. If you, if they want to go and find them and, and, uh, and dig them up, I suggest you do. There's some great stuff on there. And, um, yeah, and he got the players out there and shared their stories with people. And, uh, I don't know. I thought it was really cool and he did a great job. So you should be very proud of his efforts. And, uh, and I said, like, anytime you can create something and you, and you share, well, I'm not trying to be drama, dramatic because it's true, but when you, like, when you do a podcast, you put it out there, you're sharing it with the world because anybody can listen to it. So, you know, and, and you get the feedback from people and, uh, yeah, you created something from nothing and it was your stuff and it was your original ideas. I think that's really cool. And, uh, could be commended for that. And it was, uh, and it was, a, it was a research. He did a good job. Um, like I said, there, uh, there's a lot of podcasts I wouldn't say that about. They're the shit. They don't do any research and they just, you know, yell about nonsense and whatever. Not that I just disagree with it and that's why I'm saying it. But there are shows that, like, the research is non-existent and it's terrible and whatever. You know, but no, I know Alec put in the time, put in the research, and uh, he should be commended for that. And uh, he left us with a, with a legacy of great stuff. So thank you, sir. I appreciate the effort. But uh, other than that, guys, um, well, I'm going to do a few things today. Uh, I have some news and notes, 
And uh, as a, a little segment I do on the Sunday shows, my week on the internet, uh, where I, I basically rant and rave and take the piss out of somebody. Um, Ed Olchek flapping his lips about hitting and fighting. And um, I have a list. Tim's excited already. He might fast forward it to the end for the list. The toughest player by decade. So we're going to, we'll all time toughest player by decade. We'll get into that at the end. And, um, oh, and the declining ratings in the NHL and why? Well, we'll, we'll talk, we'll cover all of that. Let's get into it, shall we? Well, to top it all off, the news and notes, unfortunately, got to start off with some shit news. Ice Wars 3 in, in Cheyenne, Wyoming has been canceled. Um, or postponed, I should say, unfortunately. Um, it was supposed to be on March 4th. Um, I have heard from people that it was, the venue was double booked. I'm hoping that's, I'm hoping that's the reason. And I hope it's not more, uh, like I hope it's not a money thing or whatever. And, and, uh, this is just going to go away and whatever. I hope that's not the case. Um, but you never like to hear play, uh, things getting postponed. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, um, and I feel bad for some of the fighters, um, you know, cause like just the smoke and guys like that. Cause I know they've been training, centering and focusing on March 4th. And then when that gets pulled from you, it's, it's, it's really, it's gotta be really disheartening. So, um, but we'll see. I, I haven't talked to AJ about it or anything like that. Not that he would tell me anyway, but, um, yeah. So unfortunately it's postponed. I hopefully not for long. Um, you know, I hopefully, oh, our next event will be in September. Like, I hope that's not happening. I hope it's, you know, but you know, maybe April if that happens or May or something, you know, something quick back to Edmonton. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, yes, unfortunately, Ice Wars 3 has been post, I shouldn't say can't, well, it's been canceled. I mean, postpone semantics, I guess, but, but like I said, they apparently it was about the venue and had nothing to do with. Um, you know, money or anything like that, I, I hope. So, so yeah, that started off the week as a shit sandwich. But um, other than that, oh, my week on the internet, um, just the, the, the normal horse shit uh, back and forth, kind of in the groups and whatever. Um, the only one that was kind of really talked about um, was somebody had put up, of course, it's in the Probert group, um, put up, well, it was my clip actually from the, my YouTube channel, uh, Probert and John Cordick, um, back in whatever the date was, uh, Cordick's with Toronto anyway. Um, and they do a big square off and there's a lot of backpedaling and everything. And then right when they could, and then right when they engage, the refs get in there. So nothing <coughs> unfortunately really happened. And, uh, of course they put up the video and Cordick's scared. That's why he's backpedaling and whatever, you know, and, and basically like I put in like scared of what, like what, like, I know y'all love, it's the Bob Probert fan group and y'all love Probert, but let's relax. Like, yeah, yeah, John Cordick was scared of Bob Probert. Yeah, sure he was. Um, but he is backpedaling in the, in the, well, backpedaling would sound like you're scared and running away. Basically, if you've ever watched Cordick, and this was my point, and it's just like, if you've ever watched Cordick fight, he's left-handed. So what he does in the square off is he reaches and he's got to go across the guy's bo- body. And grab his right arm. And then he start and he pulls him in and starts throwing lefts. Well, he tries to do that twice with Probert. And he misses, he leans and he misses his grab. So he's got to stand straight up again. And, and of course, he's going to backpedal out of the way. Because he doesn't want Probert to grab him when he's off balance. And every and Probert knows what he's trying to do. And every time Kodak's going for the grab, Probert 
angles them off like a boxer would. You watch the video. It's not hard to see what's happening. But, of course, all these buffoons who don't know anything about anything. they scared of Bobby. I don't blame him, the goat. And, oh, God. Like, I, like, I love Probert and everything else. But why would you be scared of Probert? Like, he, he's not going to knock you out. I mean, he could beat you. But, I mean, obviously he can beat you. But it's like, Probert's not like... Was, wasn't was a huge power-punching guy. and Not to say he didn't have a couple knockdowns, because he did. But I think, like... This is just me talking. I would think, like, Dave Brown or Tony Twist or Coaster. Like, I'd be more worried about getting punched by them than I would be by Probert. Like, Probert will just overwhelm me and just kind of just beat, beat your ass. But, I mean, I don't think he's going to really, like, break your face like Tony Twist would or Dave Brown would. Um, you know, like you heard of those guys doing that to people. You never really heard about Probert doing that to people. Not to say, I'm not saying he's a pillow puncher, but you, you know, you know what I'm getting at anyway. But I mean, you can't, I mean, Probert walks on water in this group and everything and it's embarrassing. And you know, so I went back and forth and, and Nick, you're just adding fuel to the fire, you know? Um, and like I brought up with Cordic, and I didn't mean this as a shot at Cordic, but at the time, it's well known that he was gassed up on roids and he was on coke all the time. So do you think a, a guy jacked on roids and, and coked out of his head is going to be scared of anybody? Like, what do you, and, and he fought everybody. Like, he fought Dave, Jay Miller a million times, Dave Brown, Nylon, and all these. Yeah, but he's going to be scared of Probert. Like, oh, dial it down. Like, just, it doesn't end with these people. So, you know, I put that in there like, oh, look at this guy. You're dreaming, buddy. If you, he was running. Oh. No, he wasn't. Like, uh, yeah. And and then one guy gets on there. I was at this game. Probert beat his ass. And Kosa really manhandled somebody too. Like, see, this is what you're dealing with. This th- And this buffoon has gone around in life and told everybody this. But then somebody put up the box court. Nobody even fought in that game. Like, Kordic and Probert got, like, misconducts. And Kosa never fought anybody. But this idiot was there and saw all this. Like, this is the kind of clowns you deal with in these fight groups. It's just like this revisionist history. It's just embarrassing. Like, ugh. But I'm like, why do you... I don't know. Like, I don't understand. Well, I was just saying this with with the podcast and stuff. And I mean... Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But I can't attach my name. Like, I can't just go... I don't don't know why. Because it doesn't matter. But it's just like... For some reason, it's just like this, for my own, I don't know, self-awareness, I guess. But I just can't go on to these fight groups and just type, like, just stupid shit. Like, just random nothing. Like, I, like, I don't know. Like, these people just don't research anything or they don't, they've never looked into anything or read anything. They, they see, like, two YouTube videos and then Grandpappy told them a story. And then for the rest of their years, they just run with it. Now, and before anybody, in the grand, because somebody else, who was it the other day, put, like, bro, it doesn't matter. Well, fuck, I know it doesn't matter, man. Like, who are you talking to? I know this. We're just, we're on the Facebook group and talking, and we're going back and forth and having opinions. It's like when you sit in the bar and you bullshit over a beer with your buddies, and inevitably it comes up, who's the greatest quarterback, or what's this, and you have your little 10-minute little argument or whatever, I mean, yeah, I, in the grand scheme of the world, yeah, I know it doesn't matter. But thanks for clarifying. Like, I'm well aware. Like I told him, dude, I have to come up with two podcasts a week. I need the fucking content, all right? But, you know, thanks for the heads up. Like, I know it doesn't matter. 
But it's like, ugh. But anyway, yeah. But it's just like, they put this shit up there. Like, oh, this one time, uh, Larry Robinson did this. And it's like, you go back and look. It's like, no, he didn't. He didn't fight that guy. You know, and then, oh, Brashear was scared of what, because he hit him from behind the one game. And then they, this guy came in and beat his ass. It's all on YouTube. It's like, no, he didn't hit anybody from behind. And he didn't even fight that guy. He fought this guy. It's right here. Oh, I was there. Well, then you're an idiot. Because this is the YouTube. Here's the actual video evidence. Oh, it wasn't that game. Like, they'll just sit and argue with you. Like, they just, well, they didn't fight. Oh, I was there. You calling me a liar? Well, yeah, I guess I am. Because, it, oddly enough, you were there. But there's, like, the, I guess the official record keeper never showed up that game. Because no one has any record of that ever happening. But, okay, you saw it, sure. It's like, oh, just... Yeah, so anyway, that was my week on the internet. Just idiots. I mean, that could be... I guess that could be the topic every week. Idiots. Yeah, yeah. Aren't you glad you tuned in? And now, a message from our sponsors. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I know myself, like most people, I'm going to work out more. (laughs) But I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change. If it's something you use every day, like my Raycons, Raycon is a premium audio at the perfect price point. You can build great habits without breaking the bank. Yeah, just throw them in your ears, jump on the treadmill, Makes makes the workout go a lot quicker. You can listen to your favorite podcast. Hashtag enforcer-based podcasting. Uh, but whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that'll last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yes, Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with, the, with some of the other guys. If you have multiple pairs of everyday earbuds... Throw one in the gym bag. Throw one at your desk at work. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer a buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return, guaranteed. Yeah, I've always found, I've had numerous different earbuds over the years. And I always have trouble fitting my ear for some reason. But the Raycons, actually really good fit. And the best part is they are actually, and I know firsthand, they're actually sweat water and sweat resistant get ready to buy something small with big impact go to buyraycon.com slash thpn today to get 15 percent off your raycon order that's buyraycon.com slash thpn to score 15 percent off buyraycon.com slash thpn now back to your regularly scheduled program sure good thing i re-recorded this jam but um no the other one I mean, this came out a couple of weeks ago, but I, of course, I had the interviews and stuff and didn't get a chance to talk about it. Was uh, the NHL, the ratings are down 22% this year. And I laughed because it comes up, the article comes up, and everyone's surprised. Really? You're, you're, you're surprised ratings in the NHL have been on the decline. Oh, no shit. I thought all this goal scoring was great, though. It was. It's so much faster and better now. Oh. <laughs> And of course, all the, you get all the media guys, the talking heads and all the little hockey Twitter geeks that are on there. And well, you know how they have to make it better. They make, they make, make the nets bigger. Yeah. It should go four on four full time and just, just stupid shit. 
as I always say, what games get talked about? What were the most talked about games the last couple years? It wasn't some 10-8 goal scoring festival. No. It was Tom Wilson's return to New York after he slammed Panarin around and the, and the Rangers went and got Reeves. And then the week, year before that, it was uh, Tachuk and Cassian. Matthew Tachuk and Cassian. Tachuk, Tachuk. Here, you happy? Napes is just, I'm, I'm doing it for Napes here. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was the Battle of Alberta resurgence. That was the most talked about game. Why? Oh, what were the scores? Who won those games? Yeah, exactly. No one fucking remembers. Because people were mad and there was emotion. What does everybody talk about? Oh, the regular season sucks, but the playoffs is when it gets good. Well, why is it when the playoffs get good? Scoring's probably down in the playoffs compared to the regular season, but what makes it better? Emotion. That's what I've said a thousand times on this show. Emotion sells your product, not goals. But every time this comes up, how to improve the game, what do these idiots talk about? You have to make it faster. How much faster can they go? Do you want to give them cars? How much faster can Connor McDavid go? That's all they talk, faster, faster, faster. Then you wonder when guys get hit, why they get hurt. Like, you fucking idiots. They can't go any faster. It's pong. It's like pond hockey. Well, guess what? It ain't selling. So all the, and I, it's hilarious, because all these people that now bitch about the product, because I've been on social media for 12 years, so I've seen all this horse shit. Unfortunately, I have to promote this show, I have to be on here, be on there. So I see all of this shit. And I, and I see the same names with their little blue check marks on Twitter. These same dorks. I laugh. All the shit that you wanted to get rid of and you championed to get rid of. All the goons and all this shit. Well, now here is your utopia and you don't like it. Oh, well, shot. Don Cherry didn't know nothing and all these old timers and Grandpa Simpson yelling at the clouds. Oh, none of us knew shit. Because it's better now, you know, and all this shit. And then now look, now you don't watch. It's horse shit, and it's just boring. Because you've you've neutered it. You've killed the passion. Now when I say this, they're like, oh well, yeah, we don't need the UFC. Yeah, because that's what I'm talking about. It doesn't even have to be any fights. But holy shit, can we at least get some hitting and some scrums and people getting mad at each other? Like that doesn't even happen. You know, and, and let, could the refs please let shit happen organic? Like, just let it go. Like, if there's a little scrum, you don't need to be like, you're not breaking up six-year-olds in the playground if they're pushing and shoving. You got refs trying to, there's a scrum between two guys, you got one ref trying to break it up. They're so excited. It's like the Kevin Collins school of refing. Just let it go. Let it happen. They're not going to fight. Probably not. I mean, all they do is to flap their lips and they're going to block each other on Instagram when the game's over. That's all. You know, between between these dorks, Hyman and Trevor Zegras and these little rats, all they do is yap, yap, yap. And, you know, but I let them go. But as the refs say, like, shut your mouths or fight. One of the two. You know. Oh, some of these guys, I mean, if lips were fighting, they'd be the heavyweight champ. You know, and it's just like, holy shit. You know, but as soon as all of a sudden, you know, a scrum breaks out, there's actually groupings of five on five, like... People pair off in a line in a line scrum. Holy shit! These guys are seeking asylum. They're so scared. 
But you know, a minute and a half before that, though, they were lip, they were running their mouth to the beat of the band. You know, but no, you need emotion sells the product, and um, you know, and it's funny. And then of course, in all the comments saying, "Oh, you woke, you go broke," because of course that's the new buzzword, buzz topic is woke. You know, oh, this bullshit was going on for the last ten years plus. They've been doing this horse shit at refining the game. Long before you peons ever, you, you, what is it, Bobby Heenan used to say, you humanoids even heard the term woke before that idiocy started with your stupid political terms and all this shit. I'm not even going to get into that horse shit that's so stupid. Woke, that's so stupid. But that's the little buzz term now that everyone loves to throw out. The, you're woke. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I got accused of being woke the other day. Oh, okay. You don't don't even know how to use it right. Like, give me a break. But they've been doing this shit since 2008, 9, and 10. Before there was ever woke politics. So enough with your woke shit. It started way before that. And old Steve's trying to argue with me. Oh, it's all about the lawsuit. That's when everything changed. You know what, Steve? There's life outside of the NHL. Of your little NHL. Well, I worked in the NHL and I know. Oh, sure you do. You know, they settled for nothing. There was nothing happened. You know, if they were so concerned about head trauma and fighting and all this, they would have put in all these... How many fight rules did the NHL put in? None. It's okay. The lack of fighting isn't because of the friggin' head trauma. You know, lawsuits, like you like to think it is. And that shit started back in 09 when Don Sanderson died. That's when it all got started, and Canadian Parliament was talking about it. Dryden and all them were whining about it. Long before your stupid little lawsuit there, Steve. So, like, no. That wasn't it. It started before then. And once again, you chop a tree down from the bottom, not the top. Like, they took out hitting in minor hockey here in Saskatchewan. Most kids that pl- sign up and play hockey when they're little and grow up will never play contact hockey if they in Saskatchewan. Unless they play elite level tier one hockey in Bantam and on. Then they start hitting. Then you go to junior. Well, in junior A, you can only fight three times. Then you start getting suspended. In the Western Hockey League, there's no fight rule. But in the Quebec Junior League, it's three fights. In the Ontario League, it's one. And then you start getting... like So, yeah. Gee, where, so where do all the future players come from? Oh, well, these leagues that don't have any fighting. So all of a sudden you think they're going to get to the NHL and start fighting? I always love it. Everybody goes on and on about this, like this new, the Wi-Fi kid there in Montreal. Oh, he's the next champ. He's got four fights. Why are we talking like all of a sudden he's going to, he's going to make a run at Paul Laws' fighting majors in a season. I'm not knocking the kid, but he doesn't fight. Like, oh, four fights. And then it's just this idiocy that, oh, well, they're coming. We just need to get more tough guys. Who? Who's coming? I've, I've brought this up a million times. Where? Where? Do they grow on fucking trees? Where's the trees? Where all these tough guys come from? Like, you know, but it'll be, you don't, it doesn't matter anyway because they get, that's a staged fight. And you don't like those anyway. And then we'll get, oh, you don't like fights after clean hits. You don't like when they're staged. The fights have to mean something. They have to be respectful of blah, blah, blah. blah. You gotta have your fucking checklist. Oh, it's embarrassing. Like I said, no one hates fighting more than fight fans. You go into these fight groups, all they do is whine. 
oh, Reeves is a goof, and Lucic doesn't do this, and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Reeves is supposedly the champ, but it's actually Curtis McDermott because Reeves only never fights. And, oh, yeah, because McDermott fights all the time. He's got 34 career fighting majors and 210 career games. Oh, yeah, boy, slow down. And then, of course, Ed Olchuk there on TNT the other day. Oh, well, you know how we stop all these all these fights after these clean hits? Make it a double minor five for fighting and a game misconduct. Okay, Ed, yeah, let's do that. Let's get rid of the minimal fighting that there already is. You have ten teams with single-digit fight totals. But, oh, shit, we better slow down. We're having too many. All these fights after hits. Like I said, all these people go around the internet and they flap their lips because Ed said so. Well, Ed must know. I'm sure Ed Olchek's looked into the stats. Oh, sure he has. Oh, yeah. I looked it up. The top five hitters in the league. Shen, Matt Martin, Delorier, Hathaway, and Colasar have 1,016 hits between the five of them combined. How many fights they've been in? Fucking 28. 28 fights and 1,000 hits. Oh, yeah, it must happen all the time then. What are you talking about? Oh, I saw the highlights. Ruba hit that guy and then he had to fight. Oh, okay. That never happened. I love that one. It never happened back in the day. Well, why did they fight back in the day then? What do you think started the fights? The fucking hit. What are you talking about, you fucking idiots? Why did Probert fight? Because he just felt like it? When when Semenko fought McSorley, what were they fighting for? Because somebody was messing around with someone on the team, whether it be a hit or a cheap shot or whatever. But you dorks now, if it happens, that fight didn't mean anything. It was staged. My favorite fight's Probert and Domi, though. Yeah, because that wasn't staged. You tool. Oh, Crowder Probert. Yeah, no one saw that one coming. Are you serious? Oh, it's like these buffoons. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, when they fought back then, what they, they just fell out of the fucking sky? They just decided, well, we're out here. Like, oh, idiots. So enough with this. Well, I, I, I seen it on the Twitter. Oh, you did, did you? Well, okay, in that game where the guy hit and they fought after. There were seven other games that night that didn't have a fight in it. I'm sure in the other seven games there was a body check or two, or they might have ran it, might have been by accident, but they ran into each other. There was no fight though. Just this game. So one out of the seven fights there was a fight after a hit. Oh god, that's a pandemic. You know, we better, you know, oh, just a, it's a sea, it's, we're under siege here. You know, there's just been a rash of incidents after these clean hits. What are you talking about? You know what? It happened back in the day too, but half the games weren't on TV. You know, so no one really ever saw that shit. Now there's cameras in every nook and corner, cranny of the rink. And every game is televised and blah, blah, blah. Everything is everywhere, so of course you see everything now. So of course it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it didn't happen back then. Oh yeah, well you, you, you know, you, you live in friggin' Esterhazy. How many games did you see? You saw Hockey Night in Canada and the, and the goddamn Canadians on the French Channel. That was what you saw. So shut the fuck up. So, yeah, just, ugh. 
Enough. Enough with the stupidity. There's always fights. There's, there's always, I'm getting really tired of all these fights after the clean hits. All these fights. Oh, yeah. You know, the Detroit Red Wings, Buffalo, and who was the other one? I think Carolina have three fights this year. Three. Oh, yeah, but you're ti- I'm just tired of the gloves hitting the ice all the time. Oh, yeah. Three fights in 40 games. Yeah, but you're tired of all the fighting. Okay. You know. <laughs> Hockey has so many other things to worry about. Hell, at least when they hit him and there's a fight, there's some friggin' passion. Somebody gets mad about something. You know, light a fire or something. Holy shit. But I also laugh at these other guys. All they do is, oh yeah, it's shitty now. It's terrible. It's nothing like the old days, whatever. But this goofs in every form. He watches every game still. You still watch it though. Although it's terrible compared to the old days. But I still watch. Oh, okay. Well, you, you sure showed them. You know, and then you have the other guys on the other end, the opposite end. Like I always say, I haven't watched hockey in 10, 10 15 years. I haven't actively watched the league and sat down and watched games in my house. I don't do it anymore. But I'm aware of what's going on. I mean, I'm on social media. So are these guys. They're on social media with me. Oh, I don't even watch anymore. I couldn't tell you. Seattle has a team? Yeah, okay, buddy. Like, you're that just obtuse. You just, you know, you don't realize it. Yeah, I don't even know who these guys are. Oh, yeah, they're, you don't even know who Reeves is. Yeah, the fights are like all over the fight group that you've been a member of for two years. But I don't even know who they are. Oh, yeah, sure you don't. That That's the new cool guy thing, too, is to like, you know, completely shit on it, but still watch it. Or just, you know, just claim ignorance about everything now. Do they still play with a puck? Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Ugh. I guess that could have been my week on the internet. This whole topic has been. Yeah, I don't know. But how about we get into this list? Tim's been dying for me to get into this list. This is the abbreviated version. I'm swearing a lot more in this episode than I did the uh, episode I previously recorded. Um, hold on. Let me, I, gotta, oh, I didn't even bring it up. Hold on. I got to find my list here. I got to get my, my emails. And now, a message from our sponsors. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern and see what prop bet will be boosted. Guys, I gotta say, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Eagles. And as far as prop bet goes, I've always been one to bet the, uh, no safety. That's my, uh, that's my prop bet of, of choice. Uh, but download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Okay, well, I can't claim I don't know the list because already, I've already done this list once, so I am not just discovering it with you guys for the first time. I'm going over this again. But uh, it was from the Bleacher Report. It was the NHL's most feared fighter from each decade. But it was a, it's a little older article. It was written uh, December 12, 2012 by Brad Kurtzberg. <clears throat> Tough guys cause mixed emotions around the NHL. They are both feared and respected by opponents while bringing out intense devotion and hatred in fans. 
fighting has always been a part of the NHL since the league was founded over 100 years ago. In this article, we look back, the most fierce fighters, feared fighters each decade starting in 1920s. Many of these decades were called we're tough to call as a number of top contenders. Feel free to comment as who you think should have won the title of that particular decade. All right. Well, 1920s, we've got Eddie Shore. Bruins defenseman Eddie Shore burst on the NHL scene in 1926. Finished second with 130 penalty minutes and 41 games as a rookie. Quickly earned the reputation of one of the toughest and best fighters in hockey. A notorious hot temper. There is a reason the writers of Slapshot used Shore as the icon for old-time hockey. And the Hall of Famer remains one of the best fighters and hockey players of all time. Um... Yeah, well, there you go. Um, obviously, you can't. You can only read about Eddie Shore. There's obviously no fight videos of him. Um, not that I. Well, maybe there is, but not that I've seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, Don Cherry's told legendary Eddie Shore stories. Called him Darth Vader of hockey. Um, yeah, I mean, hockey was so. I mean, it's so different back then when you read into it, like just the stick swinging and all of that, and just like, like it was just full on assaults, really. And, uh, you know, he was right in the middle of it. And, uh, yeah, legendary. I mean, every, every, even if you don't know, you, every, Eddie Shore, you know, the Hansons yelling that. But, yeah, so there you go. 1920s, Eddie Shore. 1930s, Red Horner. Horner was the ultimate NHL tough guy. Eight straight se- For eight straight seasons, 32 to 1940, he led the NHL in penalty minutes. No other player has led the league in penalty minutes for that many consecutive years. Horner was the actual target for the Eddie Shore Ace Bailey incident that ended Bailey's career and nearly cost him his life. He could play hockey as well as drop the gloves. He was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1965. Yeah, I mean, Red Horner, again, was kind of the big bully at the time. Um, I did a, an episode with Steve, from, uh, otherwise known as When Probert Was King. Um, he is big into the fight research, and he has gone back since the beginning of the hockey, like 19, the 1910s, and um, even before the NHL was founded. I looked up guys um, from back then, from Eddie Shore to Red Horner, um, to Blackjack, who's in, in the 1940s in this list, it's Blackjack Stewart's the guy. But we talk about him and Mean Joe Hall. Um, when I had Steve, the, again, one of these, the episode escapes me, but it's 180 something, I think. Um, but I, when I had Steve on, but he talks about, like, he goes back on newspaper, like, he's in newspapers.com and the internet and all that stuff. He really researches it and he reads the different newspaper accounts of it. Uh, of the incidents and stuff and it's fascinating stuff if you if you're a fight fan and like a fight historian i know there there isn't many of us nerds that are really deep into it um and that's cool i mean some people they watch a couple youtube clips and that's good they don't need to read about red horn or they don't care but um you know for us real aficionados and us little fight geeks um i love this shit i love going back and hearing about it and i was great having steve on and he told some great stories about what he read in the paper and um, I encourage you to go back and check that out. Steve is also the guy. I know this has been brought up a bunch of times. I, I can tell when people bring this up in the group, it's like, yeah, you clearly don't listen to my podcast, um, which is fine. But it's like, oh, if you listen to my podcast, you would know this already. Um, Steve is the one that started the Drop Your Gloves kind of 2.0 um, GoFundMe. And it's going to be called, the website is called The Fight Chronicles. It wasn't a scam, folks. I've seen it. I've seen the outline. It is coming shortly. They're putting, st- now again, when you log, I've always said, when you log into this for the first time, it's not going to be like, oh, this is exactly like drop your gloves. It's all the same. It's like it never left. Well, no, it'll be completely different. It'll be like the Death Star. 
um, not fully complete, but still fun, still operational. Um, that's what this will be because there, the amount of data that was entered into the old drop your glove site is staggering. And believe me, the dude that ran that owned drop your gloves, he didn't put all that in and then put the site online for everybody. No, there was lots of guys that helped enter data into that and all that. Well, Steve's going to need that all again. Um, I think he's put in a number of the NHL seasons, most of them, maybe a few minor league seasons. Um, but he's, he's been working hard, but that's all going to be on going online when it does. I'll definitely have him back on to talk about it. Um, and he's looking for sponsorships for the site and it's going to be, I said, it's going to be the ultimate fight. It's going to have a message board, video clips, all that stuff. And it's, it's, a, it's for fight fans made by fight fans. And Steve's the biggest fight fan I know. And he is passionate about it and he's not going to up and ditch you. Um, he has put a ton of his own money into this. And, um, cause it wasn't, oh, it wasn't, oh, here, it's 150 bucks. We'll get the site up. Like, no, we're talking, it was 10,000 plus. And he's put a lot of money into it. He got a lot of money through the GoFundMe. Um, I wish people had, some people had donated some more, uh, or something. There was a lot of guys that I know are going to use the site that didn't give a dime, but such as it is. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a real cool site. And, uh, and he's really passionate about it. And it's going to need fight fans to, build it up again. So I hope those listening, I hope you take part and, uh, you know, maybe you can find like chip. I mean, I'm not a computer programming guy or anything like that. I'm, it's not like I'm going to be writing miles of code for the site or something, but if there's some little thing that I can do, maybe upload some videos or take my videos and attach them to the corresponding fights. I can do all that. Um, you know, show me how and I'll do it. Um, I hope others take it, take, um, you know, pitch in as well. And uh, like I said, it's only going to get better by the amount of effort that we put into it. More hands mean less work, right? So um, I hope you guys uh, get involved in that. But for the listener, for regular listeners of the show, of course, I'll keep everyone updated and I'll let you know. Um, if you follow me on social media, I mean, I'll let everybody know on there when fightchronicles.com becomes available and up on the, on the interwebs for everybody to look at. Believe me, you'll know. So, but I encourage you guys to really, really help out and promote that site and and let's make it as because it's for us us fight fans so let's let's make it as big as we can and, and as and as good as we can so uh <coughs> anyway that deviated a long ways from red horner but but when i've had steve on like i said we talked about all these guys and it was a fascinating um it really was a great hour of uh just historic fight knowledge it's it's it was awesome i definitely recommend that that episode for sure uh, like I said, 1940s, Blackjack Stewart. Blackjack Stewart was a star defenseman for the Red Wings from 38 to 50. Uh, closed out his career with two seasons in Chicago. One of the toughest men of the era, known for having a large grin on his face when he dished out punishment. Few players wanted to oppose Stewart. Um, yeah, again, I, there's not much I can add. I, I'm not, Blackjack Stewart, oh yeah. I mean, I don't know who Black, like. I've seen pictures of him, but again, um, I've never seen any of his fights or anything like that. So I can't comment if he was the great fighter like this guy claims. He, well, I don't think this this writer doesn't know either. I mean, you know, unless he's researched it, maybe he did. I don't know. But we well, had to do some research just to come up with the name. But uh, yeah, there we go. Blackjack Stewart of the 40s. The 1950s, Gordie Howe, known as Mr. Hockey, still considered by many to be the greatest hockey player of all time. Howe not only scored, but dished out punishing checks. He's an outstanding fighter. Mm. He was most famous bout game. Oh yeah, against Lou Fontanato. Uh, about fifty seconds. Oh, he's got videos. About fifty seconds of this video, you can see what Fontanato looked like as a result of the bout. Oh, it was a broken nose. Um, to this day, Gordie Howe Attrick is a game where a player scores an assist in a fight. Tribute for his diverse talents to Gordie Howe, the greatest fighter of the fifties. Um, I don't know. I've said it on here a bunch of times. 
you know, not, it's not a slight against Gordy or anything like that. I think his fistic prowess is greatly exaggerated. Um, if you go back and do the research, as Steve has, as a few people have, um, there are a number of Fern Fleming, uh, Reg Fleming. There's a bunch of guys that said, how wasn't that great of a fighter? Um, he was more dirty with his elbows and his stick than anything else. Um, he only had about 23 fighting majors in his career, and he played for a 1,000 years. So it's because no one wanted to fight him. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't. Yeah. Um, Fontenotto was a broken nose. Again, if you go back, all these people spouting off all this shit, it's just stuff they've read online. Like I said, Grandpappy told him cross-legged around the fire one night about how tough Gordy was. And he was. Gordy was a tough guy and obviously could fight and everything. I'm not trying to shit all over Gordy Howe. But it's like anything over time, it gets built up. But if you actually, again, read the newspaper articles from the night of the game, or the next day of, after the game, with the fight with him and Fontenotto, in all the newspaper accounts, Fontenotto's given as good as he's getting, and it was a great back-and-forth fight, and Howe sort of took over at the end, obviously, probably when he broke Fontenotto's nose. Um, but, yeah, but Fontenotto, Gordy was busted up, too. Um, but they, of course you see the bandage from the, from the hospital. That was, I was always going to say that was the worst photo. I can't, Fontenotto should have never let, like, I think it was like Time Magazine, some reporter, photographer take his picture with the bandages all over his face and stuff. Cause that just like killed his reputation. Cause up till then Fontenotto was known sort of as the heavyweight champ of the NHL. And, uh, but it was a broken nose. Like I said, there's been a million guys break their fights, break their noses in fights. But somehow this garnered the reputation of Gordy Howe being the ultimate killer. And, um, no, if you, like I said, do, if you do research into these things, um, there's sort of, the truth sort of comes out. I mean, as much as you can get without having actual video. But was Gordy a great fighter? I don't know if he was great, but he was a tough guy and he would fight. He, he put the beats to a few guys and stuff, but he lost a bunch of fights too that people don't talk about. You know, but, you know, am I saying he wasn't the toughest in the field? He probably was, but, you know, I, I, as like anything, like the like Larry Robinson and all these guys, their, their, their fistic, uh, prowess is greatly exaggerated in my opinion. Of course, it's my show, it's my opinion. But, uh, 1960s, John Ferguson. Ferguson is Montreal Canadiens, the greatest fighter of the 60s. Few people wanted to challenge Fergie who helped the smaller Canadian stars with room to operate. Ferguson topped 100 penalty minutes in each of his eight NHL seasons and won five cups during his career. Could play hockey too, scoring 29 goals in the 68 season. Retired after the 70-71 season, later went into coaching. Considered the prototype for NHL enforcers during his career. Yeah, it's often been cited that he was the first kind of true NHL enforcer. Um, great player. Uh, what a run, man. You have an eight, you have an eight year career and you have win five cups. Well, that ain't bad. Um, but yeah, he, some of his fights are on video. Um, actually, I ended up finding his book that he wrote. I think it was, when did he write it? Early eighties, I believe. Um, was it Thunder and Lightning? I'm trying to look over at my, trying to look over at my bookshelf. I can't see it from here, but I bought it at a thrift store for like $2. It's a hardcover and everything. Um, so, um, I definitely want to read that because he, um, I know from other people, uh, I've been reading stuff, articles, I've heard interviews. Um, Ferguson himself was pretty, well, Fergie loved Fergie, we'll put it that way. In terms of his fighting prowess, he was sort of, I think he fancied himself as sort of the uh, Mike Tyson of the NHL. And he probably wasn't wrong. Um, you know, uh, it'll, it'll be an interesting, now, he'd be an interesting guy to sort of do a deep dive on for sure. And definitely get Steve on. Um and, and kind of do a Ferguson episode, maybe some older, uh, um, 
I know a few guys that are kind of, you know, from back in the day that I, I'd like to get on and, and kind of really break down Ferguson's career because he was sort of considered the first policeman, so to speak. So I think that'd be really cool. But yeah, great career though. Uh, the 70s, Terry O'Reilly. Um, in the 70s, marked the birth of the goon. The player could only fight and could do little else to help his team win a game. <sighs> okay. I forgot about that part when I read it yesterday. Um, it was also the era of the Flyers brought all the way to two straight cups, the likes of Schultz and Seleski, who would literally uh, beat all comers. Uh, but the best fighter of the 70s is Bruins winner Terry O'Reilly. Your nickname there, Taz, from his nonstop energy, short of the Tasmanian Devil. His blue-collar style play made him one of the most popular Bruins of all time. O'Reilly took on many heavyweights of the era, including Schultz, Willie Klett, Holmgren. He also once chased a Ranger fan into the stands, which led to Mike Bilberry beating a fans with a shoe in the infamous incident from 1979. Taz topped 100 penalty minutes 11 times in his career, but also scored 20 goals four times in a season. His number was retired by the Bruins in 2002. Yeah, Terry O'Reilly was outstanding. I always said if I was um, I mean, I was born in 75, but if I was like a teenager in the 70s watching hockey as a fan, I could, gar- I could guarantee Terry O'Reilly would have been my favorite player. Um, there's lots of video on YouTube of him fighting, and he was outstanding. It's really wild laughs up and down and go down and get up, taking shots, throwing shots, like just did not give a shit. He was, un- he was unbelievable. Terry O'Reilly was awesome. And like I said, great player, um, solid power forward. If he was playing today, he'd be making 10 million a year. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, what more can I say about Terry O'Reilly? Um, there's a lot of guys in the 70s. I mean, you could have probably said Schultz as well. Um, just now, do I think Schultz is a better fighter than O'Reilly? I mean, they fought a bunch of times. Um, even or, one of the two, whatever. Um, I, I think Schultz might have, in terms of like, whatever you want, goonism, so to speak. Um, I think Schultz probably made a bigger impact than O'Reilly. Because like I said, O'Reilly was... But Schultz scored 20 goals in the season, too. I think people forget that. They just think of him as an idiot. But but Schultz did a lot of, like, crazy, a lot more crazy shit than O'Reilly. Although going into a crowd after someone is pretty crazy. Schultz didn't do that. But, um, you know, with his penalty, 472 in a season and all that. And the gang fighting and stuff. Um, Schultz really kind of, I think, the Flyers definitely kind of put that in vogue. Not that the Bruins didn't have their guys, too. And probably to a man, the Bruins are probably the tougher team than compared to the Flyers. But I think the Flyers really sort of brought in that goon, clear the bench, uh, brawling type stuff. Um, so, I mean, whatever. If you want to say Schultz is the 70s or O'Reilly, I mean, there's really it's hard to argue either way. I mean, both guys were awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, there you go. Terry O'Reilly in the 70s. Uh, 1980s, Tiger Williams. Tiger Williams wasn't the tallest or strongest, but was tough and determined and remains the NHL's all-time penalty minute leader 25 years after retiring. Well, it'll be 35 years now. Uh, Williams broke in with the Leafs in 74, later played for Vancouver, Detroit, LA, and Hartford. Six times during his career, he topped 300 minutes in a season. That's unbelievable. Uh, stood just 5'11", weighed 190. Williams went toe-to-toe. Well... I don't know if Tagger ever went toe-to-toe with larger opponents and had a lot, who had longer reaches, still won a lot more bouts than he lost over the course of his career. Williams could play too. He scored 35 goals in Vancouver in 1980, top 20-goal mark three times during his career. His goal celebration where he rode the stick as a fan favorite. 962 career games. He had 241 goals, 513 points, 3,900 minutes of penalties. Yeah, I mean, outstand, again, outstanding player. A lot better player than people give him credit for. Like I said, 35-goal year. 20 goals three times. Well, 500 points in 900 games. Like, come on now. Well, 3,900 minutes. Imagine cut those minutes in half. How many more points would he have had? Like, I mean, solid player. Um, 
Yeah, as far as his fighting goes, again, a lot of his stuff is on YouTube. Not, well, not all of his fights, of course, but there was a bunch of, enough Tiger Williams fights on YouTube to kind of give you the idea. Um, he's, he's pretty much kind of a grappler guy. He'd get in tight and wrestle. Um, he'd, he'd swing now and again. Um, but fearless, fought everybody. And, and I can remember reading about stuff, uh, when the Leafs, who weren't an overly tough team, I mean, they go into Philly and he'd, he'd, he'd brawl with the, with the Broad Street bullies and, and, uh, wasn't scared of them. And, um, yeah, a heart and soul guy, outspoken, uh, probably wore his welcome out in a few places. Um, if you have a chance to get his, go through your thrift stores. He wrote a book again. Uh, when would he have written it? I, I don't know if he was still playing. Would have been the mid eighties when he wrote it. Um, it's a pretty solid book. Like I said, he, he never held back. He was always very opinionated and uh, wasn't afraid to speak his mind. And um, yeah, I mean, was he the greatest fighter? No, uh, but solid player, fearless. And um, yeah, and I mean, you talk about records that'll never be broken. Thirty nine teams teams combined won't get that many anymore. Um, yeah, so yeah, that is an unbreakable record. The nineteen nineties, Bob Probert. Most feared and respected fighter in an era full of tough guys. The 90s were a time where nearly every NHL team was had a designated fighter. And opponents knew who they were They were in for a tough day when they went up against Probert, who stood 6'3", 225, and battled with fury. Uh, Probert was a wild man on the ice and probably even wilder off the ice due to his alcohol and drug problems. In the late 80s, early 90s, Probert teamed up with Joey Cosa to form the Bruce Brothers, arguably the toughest pair of fighters on any team since the Broad Street Bullies and the Big Bad Bruins of the 70s. Prober had legendary bouts versus Ty Domi, Stu Grimson, and Marty McSurley. Finished his career with exactly 3,300 penalty minutes and 935 games with Detroit and Chicago. He made, uh, is off ice for me. He died of a heart attack in 2010 at age 45. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I, people listening, I have to sell you on Bob Probert. Um, you know, it's always hard. I mean, if you're going to do best for era, well, Probert started in like, what, 85, so five years there, and then five into the night, you know. So it's like, nah, you know, who who started when and, and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, you, if you're going to do, you have to have Probert in your list somewhere, right? So, I mean, you could argue that the 90s, um, you know, Dave Brown, right, or something. But he started, when did he, got his, he sort of started in the middle, too, in the, in the 80s. Um, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with Bob Probert being on this list, of course. Um yeah, man, bad dude, and uh, yeah, I, what do I need to say about Bob Robert? Um, 2000s, George LaRock, Montreal native George LaRock, an opposing figure at 6'4", 245, so big and strong, many people were intimidated and reluctant to drop the gloves, spent 12 seasons in the NHL, Edmonton, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, and Montreal, uh, had 153 points in 695 career games, but also accumulated 1,126 minutes of penalties, a bad back, forced LaRock to retire in 09. As you can see, what um, the video, yeah, LaRock was a tough customer on the ice, a fan favorite wherever he played. Um, yeah, I mean, I have George in my top five of all time. I know some people, ah, noogies, noogies. Yeah, you're an idiot. Talk to anybody that fought him, they will disagree with you. Um, he definitely fought his style. He'd bring you in tight. He was so strong. Uh, left hands. But yeah, he bombed away on guys, man. When he hit a few guys, oof, he caused some damage. And, um... I mean, he was definitely one of these, I was like, referred to him as code fighters. Um, you know, there's good luck, brother, you know, whatever and all that. I you know, I always found that eye rolling just horse shit. Um, I don't know. I, I, I always said, I don't mean this, uh, well, you know, I always said LaRock could have actually been 
much more intimidating if he was, not that he wasn't intimidating to begin with, but it was one of those things that George was never going to force your hand. Like he'd, he'd give everyone the chance, right? He'd wish you good luck and let's square off and everything was clean. And I mean, now when he fought and punched, it wasn't like he was letting up. He'd drill you when he was punching you. But if you didn't want to fight him, he wouldn't jump you because it was against the code and all this. And it's like, well, if you had a little more Dave Brown in him, LaRock could have been an all, an all time. Well, he was sort of an all time great for, well, he's in my all time top five. So clearly I think he is, but he could have been number one, really, if he was mean. Like he had a little Dave Brown in him and a little Tony Twist in him. Imagine that in LaRock. Ugh. You know, um, just dominant. And you can count, you can go for years when LaRock was in his prime. On one hand, you can count how many losses he had. Now, I know there's people listening right now rolling their eyes and shit, but the proof's in the pudding. Like I always say, all of his fights are on YouTube. Go watch them. And you get back to me with how many losses he had. Yeah, no, not many. Now, I'm not saying he did ever lost, but it wasn't much. Wasn't much. And he went on a run there for like, I don't know. I remember looking at his stuff. It was like two and a half, almost three seasons without losing. Now, again, it's not like he was fighting 35 times a year, but he was fighting more than twice. I mean, he'd have, you know, 10, 15 fight years and not losing them. And his fight card is like the who's who. George's a bad dude, man. You can roll your eyes all you want. Like I said, proof's on YouTube. The, the 2010s. Of course, this article was written in 2012. So, um, But Sean Thornton, uh, Bruins tough guy, Sean Thornton, leader after three seasons. Well, yeah, three seasons of the present decade. Um, Thornton logs fourth line minutes, still scored 10 goals during the Bruins Stanley Cup winning season. So he can play at 6'2", 217. Like I said before, I've stood on a street corner in size two next to Sean, beside Sean Thornton. He is not 6'2". Uh, but 6'2", 217 is best known for being a tough guy. Easily topped 100 penalty minutes in each of his three seasons. Uh, respected by all opponents. So the healthy scratch for the first two games of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, but the momentum of the series changed after Boston put Thornton back in the lineup in game three. They went on to win the Cup in seven games. Um, I love Sean Thornton. Um, yeah, I always say with Sean Thornton, the amazing thing with him is, like, wouldn't he play like 500 games in the American Hockey League too? Like St. John and Norfolk and Portland and stuff. And he fought like 20 plus times a season then. And again, I remember I read off his fight card a bunch of episodes ago. And uh, in the American League, it's like the who's who. It's like McLaren and Downey and Gillies and blah, blah, blah. You name a tough guy, Thornton fought him in the American League. And then he gets up to the NHL, fights everyone in the NHL too for 600 games. It's just ridiculous. Like the the guy's fight card is unbelievable. Never really took, like I'm thinking off the top, I'm sure he probably got dropped in some fights because you fight that much, you're going to happen, but... For the most part, um, you know, and not for being a... He wasn't a big guy. Um, now, I mean, was he dropping dudes left and right? Well, no. But, I mean, tough guy, would overwhelm guys, could play deep, like, obviously would fight defensively, like, knew when to move his head, would duck away, and could have take shots. Because, his, obviously, his longevity is out, unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, he won a couple cups. And Thornton was a bad dude, man. I, I was a huge fan. I was a huge fan of Sean Thornton in the American League. Became an even bigger family when he made the NHL. To see the success he had in Boston and stuff was awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm down with Sean Thornton. Um, 
I know he has a book out if you want to read that. If you're a big Bruins fan and really love the cup run and everything else, the book would be really cool. Um, I, you know, the book was okay. I was always kind of hoping to get into more, more, cause I'm, you know, the fight geek in me. I want him to talk more about fighting, especially his OHL stuff. I want him to talk more about fighting and then the American League and stuff. He mentions a few fights, but not really, doesn't really dig deep into it and doesn't really talk about it. It's one of those books. It's kind of like the modern day tough guy book where it's like, Oh, everyone's a good guy and blah, blah, blah. Like they never, they don't really shit talk anybody. Um, I mean, obviously I haven't read Avery's book, but I'm sure he shit talks everybody, but like LaRock's book and Ray's book and blah, blah, blah. They don't really talk bad about anybody. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I read actually, I, it was this time last year. I read Thornton's book cause I read it on the plane in Las, uh, going to Las Vegas. Um, and, uh, I will continue their tradition this year. Actually, that's what I'll do. Uh, for my plane ride this year, to my my plane trips this year, I will take the John Ferguson book and I will finish that. So, um, but yeah, there you go, folks. The toughest of the decade. Uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, this episode was so nice. I figured I'd record it twice. But uh, yeah, I, I'm tired of talking about this. So um, yeah, because it's like I said, it's deja vu all over again. But thank you very much for tuning in. Like I always say, I know there's hundreds and hundreds, if not a thousand plus hockey podcast to listen to the fact that you chose to listen to mine i greatly appreciate it i really do and um yeah for everybody if you if you want to drop me a line through social media send me a direct message comments good bad or otherwise or if you have show ideas if you want to come on the show um actually that's how my guest from hopefully this week um he got a hold of me and um we follow each other on social media, but he was just like, yeah, it was a great episode because he, he really loved the Belter interview. And, um, yeah, so we got, got to talk and I'm like, well, why don't you come on? Okay. And, uh, yeah, so it was, so hopefully that happens, but, um, another old dub guy, I think you guys will dig it, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. At the very least I will talk to you. Either I will have a Wednesday interview or I will be here on Wednesday talking to you again. So I will, uh, I will talk to you again midweek. Let's go watch the Super Bowl. Let's see what happens. Like I said, I got my money on the Eagles. But you never know. Mahomes and the Chiefs, they're champs for a reason. So we'll see. But uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you guys Wednesday. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 